Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. You know how life doesn't stick to a schedule? Well, why should your paycheck? That's where Earn In comes in. It's an app that lets you access the money you've earned right when you need it, not just on payday. Imagine this, your dog suddenly needs a vet or your kid has a little accident and needs a dentist, ASAP. We've been there and waiting for your payday in those situations just doesn't make sense and it adds unnecessary stress. With EarnIn, you can pull up to $100 per day or up to $750 each pay period directly from your earnings without the crazy fees or interest rates. It's super simple. Download the EarnIn app, verify your paycheck, and get access to your earnings as you earn them. You decide what to tip, and whatever you use gets settled on your next payday. More than 3.5 million users are finding relief and a sense of security with EarnIn, calling it a lifeline for financial stability. That peace of mind, it's priceless, and it could be yours. Ready to give it a try? Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Clutter under Podcast when you sign up. It'll really help out the show. That's Clutter under Podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Well, hey there, my friend. Welcome back to the show. I'm Deanna Yates, and you are listening to episode 174 of the Wannabe Clutter-Free Podcast. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Allie Williams about spending money, particularly how guilt plays into our spending or not spending and how money relates to the stuff in our home. I've talked before about how I am an underspender, meaning that I generally do not like shopping and only buy things when absolutely necessary and often after those things are needed. So this was a really fun talk because I love how Allie breaks it all down and helps us look at money in the right way. But before we get into our conversation, I want to give a shout out to you and say a big thank you for joining me today. I am super grateful that you are here with me, and I hope that you walk away from today with some actionable tips and ideas for your life. If you enjoy what you hear, I actually have a new question for you this week. Can you please do me a favor and share this show with someone you think would enjoy the advice of living a better life with less stuff? whether that's physical stuff, emotional stuff, or mental stuff, my goal is to help families be free from the clutter that is holding them back. And you sharing this podcast will help me grow this show so that I can get more amazing guests on here for you to learn from. And let's hear about that amazing guest that we have on this week. Allie is a money coach and founder of Financially Focused. She believes that everyone can save money, pay off debt, and live their best lives while conquering their money goals. In this episode, she's sharing financial advice that will not only blow your mind, not your wallet, but will help you feel better about spending money and your relationship with your finances. Today, she shares tips on spending with less guilt, 
how to more easily let go of the items that may have cost you a lot, and aligning our spending with our values. She also shares her fascinating financial journey and several success stories to inspire us along the way. So give this episode a listen, and when you're done, head over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 174 to get the show notes for today's episode with links so that you can connect with Allie on there. Plus, there will be links to the resources that we mentioned in the show today. Again, you can find it all at wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 174. And now let's get to our conversation. Well, hi, Allie. Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited about this conversation. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. I've had some financial people on the show before. We've talked about budgets and different things. And I just think there's so much overlap between spending money and buying stuff and the clutter in our house and how it all kind of comes to fruition and plays together. So I'm really excited for today's conversation. So yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's going to be fun. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Before we hop into it, though, why don't you tell us about yourself, what you do, how you help busy families, and what brought you here today? Yeah, so I'm Allie Williams. Uh, My company is Financially Focused, but it's spelled like A-L-L-I at the end instead of the Y, like my name. And I started as a blog and just pretty much when I graduated college, which was in 2013, I was just like, there has to be more to life than just paying bills and then working until you retire. (laughs) I was at 21. I I had like a $415 car payment and like all these other bills. And I was just like, how do people like afford to live? And but I didn't want all the advice I saw online. It was like, you have to cut everything and you have to like deprive yourself in order to pay off debt and save. And I, as a 21 year old, I was like, that sounds terrible. <laughs> so pretty much from my experience sharing what I learned, the blog kind of continued and then turned into a business kind of organically. I started coaching one-on-one. I have my MBA in finance and then I kind of evolved from there into group programs as well as self-paced courses. But my husband and I, got married in 2019 and paid off six figures of debt. So I kind of became debt-free as an individual around 25. And then I married into $154,000 of debt that wasn't technically mine, but was mine through marriage. So then came together, paid off debt while still living. Now I have two little boys. Uh, We live on a 25-acre farm in South Carolina. And that's the synopsis of how I ended up where I am. Nice. Okay. Well, I want to dive into a little bit. Tell me if this gets a little too personal, but we're talking about finances. You sound like you've paid off a ton of debt and taken care of that. So tell us a little bit. I know people start to get a little like, sure, okay, that's fine. She can do it. They probably make a ton of money. So yeah, tell no. us more about your debt repayment story and kind of how that all came to be. Yeah. So I always say my husband and I, we make six figures combined, but not as individuals, just to like give a visual of like about our salary, not the exact amount, but we aren't out here making like 200, 300, 400, $500,000 a year. And I think with debt payoff, one thing you have to get really clear on is figuring out what is the few things that are truly important to you. Like if you look at me, even while paying off debt, you think, she spends a lot of money. I, I spend a lot and I still do on college football. We have season football tickets. I spend a lot on experiences, food, but I spend like zero dollars on home decor. We have like literally nothing. I spend nothing on, I have nothing designer, anything. 
I have the same like five shirts from Target that are just like the same ones in different colors. When I come, I don't get my nails done. I get my hair cut once a year. Like I spend pretty much zero on those things. So yes, you see, you're like, oh, she spends money. She must make a lot. But I also spend like zero dollars on other things that people spend a lot on. So you have to get really clear on keeping the things that are important and allocating and budgeting for those. And then like cutting the things that you just like truly don't care about. We live, we bought this, which if you saw this, you're like, oh, wow, she can afford a crazy house. I mean, we've been doing home repairs. We'll be doing home repairs forever. But before this, we lived in a small two bed, one bath house, even with both our boys in like not a good area of uh, town. And that was like our set. I kept our mortgage really low so we could aggressively pay off debt and save. So there's always so much more to anyone's story. I mean, even anyone I work with, they're like, well, how can I pay off $10,000 of debt or 30 or 40, whatever it is? And there's so many factors, not just income, but cost of living. How many kids do you have? What's your other expenses? What other savings goals do you have? So there's so many factors. And if you're listening and you're thinking, well, she can do it. I can't. I promise you can. Will your journey or story look like mine? No. Maybe it'll take you longer. Maybe you'll have some other bumps in the road, but you can do it. I I have no doubt at all. I love that positive encouragement. And thank you for being open and, you know, talking about that. And I like how you say that, right? You gave a very concrete-ish number, but not exacting, which is really helpful. And I think that number is helpful and doable for couples, right? Like like you said, you're not making hundreds of thousands of dollars a piece and coming together and being like, yeah, 154000 bucks, whatever, no big deal, pay that off. And also cost of living does make a big difference as to where you're going to be. But if you have the ability to choose, choosing someplace that might be a little more affordable, as I sit in my Southern California super expensive <laughs> house that I don't think I'll ever buy, but, you know, would be nice. <laughs> yeah, um, Southern California is very different than South Carolina's. <laughs> it's painful. It's painful. Yes. But it's okay. I love it. And I love raising our daughter here. And I, so right now it works for us. Will it be where we live forever? Probably not. But she's in fifth grade. So I've got what, less than 10 years left of schooling. And then the world opens back up. So I think for us, we think in that perspective too, we have not lived in the same place. I think the longest we've lived in a city at one any one time is like eight years when we were in our 20s in Chicago. And since that, no, <laughs> this, it's been four years, five years, going on our fifth year, I think here. So anyway, so I mean, I think too, Sometimes everyone thinks of things in very concrete forever terms. And I think that if we can open ourselves up to seasons, part of a journey, a chapter of a book, it can be a little bit easier to take on these moments where we're paring back, paring down and saying, okay, for this season, this chapter right now, I'm going to cut back on this and this. And then once I get to this point, then I can open it back up or do whatever kind of makes sense. Walk us through, though, how you decide what is important. Let's start there. And then I have a follow-up question onto it. So let's start there. Okay. So I always say, like, if you look at your spending, right, it's pretty clear to see what you like to spend money on. If you audit your expenses, you might say, oh, I don't really spend on that. But then are the numbers telling me something different? 
it happens all the time with food specifically like oh we don't spend that much on takeout or so and then you look at the numbers i'm like no you do <laughs> and it's not necessarily bad i don't i always anyone i work with or i'm like i'm not necessarily going to come in and tell you you have to cut everything but we're also going to look at the numbers and numbers don't lie when it comes to that and i think when we talk about what you value just asking yourself some questions like your perfect day or your perfect month or your perfect vacation like what would that look like does it involve time on the beach with your kids or traveling with your sisters or what is if you had your would it be like you sitting alone at a spa what do you want in your ideal picture perfect day or week and that kind of will help show you what you value like for me like I want to be like buried in our college football stadium like I would die for that team in school and we have season tickets even with kids like my kids have been going literally since birth like my oldest will be three it's his third football season my youngest is one and this is his second football season so it's just part of our life that's every fall that's what we do like I love it I mean literally love it but like I said earlier like there's things that I just truly don't care about like if all my clothes got burned in a fire I truly wouldn't care like there's nothing of that I feel like oh my god like I would just go buy the same five shirts I already had <laughs> but I think asking yourself some questions like if you even just like hypothetically, like if you had a million dollars, like what would you spend it on? Or I know that's kind of big, but like, would it be travel? Would it be more quality time? Would you quit your job and follow your passion project? Would you volunteer? Would you, if you could do anything, what would you do? And that kind of helps guide your, not just your budget, but kind of your savings goals or like your future goals, just kind of seeing, making sure those things are at least part of the plan, even if they're not part of the plan right now, they're part of the plan in the next few years. Hmm. Okay. So what happens when you say, okay, great. I do this. I do my visualizations. I figure out the different things and then something changes or like you decide like, okay, that really, I didn't, I said that wasn't important, but I'm really tempted all the time. Every time I see this, that, or whatever, I really want to be spending over here. What happens in those scenarios? I think that's normal. I think we all change. Like if you asked me even five years ago, if I would have two boys living on a farm, I'd be like, no, <laughs> like there's no way. I mean, my husband, and I always joke. He's like, did you picture this? Your as this is your life. And I was like, no, <laughs> but I love my life and I love where I'm at right now. But if you asked me, I would say I was in like some neighborhood, like cookie cutter neighborhood home with like a fa fancy house doing that. And now I'm in like in 1991 farmhouse pretty much that needs a lot of work which is not what I thought and I think change is normal we all go through seasons I think it's really understanding do you want that because like someone else wants it or because you're tempted or because of like the impulse factor or because of like emotional triggers like you had a bad day at work or your kids were driving you crazy or something like do you want it because of something else like it's more reaction or is that something you truly value and truly want so I think kind of just like figuring out the difference between the impulse purchases or the influenced by friends purchases or social media versus like okay my bad like I didn't really care about this last year but I do maybe last year you were fine with like free YouTube workouts I don't know and then this year you're like no like with kids it's hard I really want to invest in like a personal trainer or gym classes or something like that's fine just that's fine to change your mind on that I think that's super normal but it's more like do you want that because 
some fitness influencer told you you can't get in shape without it or is it something you truly value? I like the distinction, definitely. So yeah, I want to dive into kind of the spending without guilt. So I get what you're saying, right? Like you figure out what your values are. Those are the things you're going to spend money on. You look at the things where you're like, you know what? I don't care about that kind of stuff. So I can cut that out and it helps you feel better with where you're spending. But I don't know. I'm still struggling a little bit because I think it's really hard. I think it's hard to like commit to that. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, we will dive more in with Allie. This podcast is supported by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. We've been using Active Skin Repair for a few months now, and I am seriously impressed. They use a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which is pretty much a superhero in skincare. It mimics your body's own immune response, helping to cleanse, soothe, and reduce inflammation to support the natural healing process. And let me tell you, it works for more than just scraped knees. Whether it's sunburns, rashes, or even more persistent issues like eczema or acne, Active Skin Repair has got you covered. The best part? It's totally safe and non-toxic. That means it's gentle enough for every skin type, from the little ones to grandma and everyone in between, making it the go-to for everyone in the family. I scraped my knuckle the other day while doing laundry, and my first thought was to grab the Active Skin Repair because one, it doesn't sting like other products, and two, I knew it would help me heal faster. So if you're looking for a natural, effective way to handle boo-boos, check out Active Skin Repair. And because you're a listener, you can get 20% off your order. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair, and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Give me an example. Like, do you have, give me like a story of someone that's done this, that's turned their spending around based on their values? Because I think it's easier for us to realize in a story, like when we hear someone else, we've heard your story, but just like hearing what someone else does, I do think is very helpful. Yeah. And I think it, it is, of course, easier said than done. I'm not going to say that you're going to, especially to back up even further, it's first starting with like your money past, right? So, what were you taught about money? What were you not taught about money? What your parents teach you, not teach you? Even if you are, if you have a partner, understanding that your money past might be extremely different. And if you're combining finances, you have to have a conversation about each of your own money stories because it helps you just understand each other better. For example, maybe your partner grew up without money, so they hoard money because they're scared to spend it because they didn't have. But there's also people who 
grew up with no money. So they spend it because they finally have money to spend. And they're like, I deserve every, I want to spend money on everything. So it kind of goes back first is like understanding your own money story, your own money past. And then you do have a partner that you're combining with or managing money with. You have to understand theirs as well. So I think that's a big part is first your own just general money habits of where your spending triggers come from. Does it come from a place of lack, like you never had anything growing up? Does it come from you already got everything when you were growing? So you feel like you should just already get everything. There's a lot of things that go into it. And then I think with spending without guilt, the big thing that I emphasize with people is if you're still paying off, like, for example, let's say you had credit card debt and you wanted to save for a house and Christmas, I don't know, or the holiday season. Those are kind of your three money goals, but you also wanted to spend on the things. You don't want to deprive yourself. You want to be able to go on a date night with your partner once a month and you want to plan a trip for Mexico next summer, something like that. Those are your spending things. So as long as in your budget, I should then see an extra credit card payment. I should see a saving transfer for house, for saving for house. I should see saving transfer for, I don't even know what I said, the holidays. And then I can also see in there your monthly date night. So you are spending. And the reason why you don't, you shouldn't, or you work on it, have guilt about it is because you're still paying off debt and you're still saving. So you're doing the three things that I would want you to do. You're you are reaching your money goals, but you're also keeping the things that you value, which is time with your partner because life's hectic and kids and you don't get to see each other as much. So I think spending on what you value doesn't mean you're spending every day or for me, football's a season. So it's literally September to November. And then that's then I move on to other things. So I think for me, it's helping people. I've had students who like vacations big. I mean, travel, I'd say is the biggest thing people that I see like to spend money on. So yeah, you want to spend on a trip, but maybe that takes us a year to save for because you don't just have $5,000 for an all-inclusive vacation to some like fancy resort. So you see that spending later, um, but there's obviously like prep behind it. So then when you go on the trip, you can enjoy it without feeling guilty because you have the money saved. You're not coming back with that trip on the credit card, wondering how I'm going to pay this off. You just, you have your budget for the trip. You go enjoy, spend the money because that's what it's there for. So I think the big thing is just giving your money with anything, right? Like a purpose, like exactly how much you have for each goal. So you have $5,000 for this trip. You have $10,000 saved for a house. You have 2000 for Christmas gifts. You're not like wondering how much you have. It's clear. So I think just the guilt part or working on that obviously takes time. If you're not used to spending, I think it's just, just kind of setting some boundaries. And then just as long as you're reaching your money goals, then you can kind of realize like I'm spending, but I'm still paying off debt type of thing. That was super helpful. Thank you. Yeah. No, I like that example of the different things you're planning for and like setting them up and being really purposeful on that and saying like it, like you said, if you say this is what you value and what your goals are, then we should be able to see them reflected in your monthly statements and where you're putting your money. So that was really helpful. Thank you for breaking it down in a different way because sometimes my brain doesn't always follow the first trail. So I really thank you for that. So one thing I have discovered about myself is I am an underbuyer. Have you heard that from Gretchen Rubin, the overspender yeah. and underbuyer? I am totally an underbuyer. Like I will wait and I will buy things. And then it's a problem because 
I get it after the season has started. So the, it's all picked over. And maybe there, the things might be on sale by then because everyone else has already bought it. I'm just the last one to the game because I don't want to overbuy. I think that's the thing I've determined about myself. It's like, it's maybe not so much about spending the money. It's just, I don't want to waste, quote unquote, here, waste the money and spend more than I need to or buy more than I need to. Because one, a lot of it does come with this idea that I don't want to waste resources. I don't want to have more. I don't want it to become clutter. I don't want to have to declutter it later. So any tips for us under buyers out there? I would say, I mean, just in this, I think could be any real buyers in general is just making a list, like even seasonally. So say there's things you buy you do end up buying every season, but maybe it's like late. It's like in the season, but you're getting it every year. It's keeping a list like I have for myself. I have this thing I call year overview tracker and I map out my year for bigger expenses just so I can see it. So nothing takes me by surprise. Nothing. Maybe I look and I have four things in August and I'm like, wow, August is like a really spendy month, but maybe it's only April. So now I have time to space those out and kind of prep so that not everything hits in August. So I think if you're more on the underbuyer side, it's just making a list of things you want or know you might need throughout the year so you can kind of like mentally start preparing for it earlier <laughs> um, in the year and not even just mentally, but also financially preparing for it. Obviously, with clutter and things like that, I always try to check my house. I always say, check your house first, check things before you it, buy it on Amazon or buy it at the store, like with food, but just even like, holiday decor or kids for things for my kids school like I just they have to get stuff like every holiday so I just like resave it <laughs> I'm like let me check did I save like the easter eggs from last year that I can just reuse or like I said I'm not a big like I have nothing up for fall like and I won't like I literally have no fall decor I'm not into until my kids care about something when it comes to holidays I'm like very no <laughs> nothing we just got a Christmas tree last year for the first time just because my two-year-old likes the lights and we just did like a very basic tree. But I think for the under buyers, if you're going to buy it anyway, kind of, it's just later. It's just kind of doing the prep work a little bit earlier, keeping lists. Like my husband and I have a shared notes app where we just keep a running list of things that either of us want or maybe coming up that we need so we can both see it. We can, we don't have to, with life being hectic, sometimes it's hard to like sit down and be like, what do you need today? What do you need this month? Or what do you need next month? So I think just having like the capability to just visually see lists at least helps me. And I think helps people because you kind of, we all make lists in our head, but until <laughs> you see it out on either your phone or paper, but seeing my year, my year overview tracker has helped me just say organize those purchases helps me not even on the other side overspend because I see what I actually need so I'm not sure if that helps you at all, but usually I deal with the other side of things, the over. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Overspending, I know, like is very common, right? And I think that we hear that so much, right? And so much advice is given to curbing the spending because it is fun to buy things. I get that, which is interesting because I don't, I'm actually the one that always saved, right? So I don't get the same joy that other people get when they buy something. I know, one of my weird quirks. But I do, I, I get that it is fun to get stuff, to get new things and buy new things and have that moment of high. It is a dopamine hit. I totally get it. So 
All right, one more quick break, but stay with us because you don't want to miss what Allie tells us next. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you've fallen into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. No, that was really helpful to have kind of, I like that idea of sitting down and kind of brainstorming and being like, okay, what are the things, what are the months where we really need? Who, where are the birthdays that we actually buy gifts for? And what are the different things that happen? And if she's doing, if our daughter's doing summer camp, well, when is that registration actually due? Because it's not due when she starts summer camp. It's due a few months before. And so where are those big spending months and just staying on top of it? So I like that. It's just a different perspective of adding the monetary element to your yearly activities. And then also thinking about, it's a great step for me because it is thinking about, okay, we're doing this camp in this camp or back to schools on this day, or what are the things we need to buy for those things? And I'm much better about buying for our daughter than I am for myself. I am assuming that's very normal that we always, that moms put ourselves on the back burner. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm very good about making sure everyone else is taken care of. I'm trying to be much more aware of that and take care of myself as well a lot more this year. I think for you, like finding the things, like if there is one thing, say that like for yourself, going all in or like letting yourself spend on that like not saying you have to spend on every category right like if you're like I don't really care about this and this, that's fine but if there is something that you truly value like letting yourself be okay with spending on yourself which is hard it is hard but if there is something where you're like I would really like I don't know like to be alone <laughs> for my birthday is coming up my husband said what do you want and I said I want to be alone <laughs> I just wanted to like have quiet for a few hours because I don't get that ever with a two-year-old and a one-year-old. So I was like, I just want to like sit by myself and just like be alone. So even that, I'm like even going and getting like a massage or sitting in a spa for a few hours. And I don't even care if I get the massage, but just sitting there, but figuring out the few things I do really care about and allowing yourself, giving yourself permission, even though you don't need the permission, but to spend on those, I think is important too. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for the reminder. We always need the friendly reminder every once in a while. So um, always good. 
So one thing I notice a lot when I'm helping people declutter and we're talking about letting go of stuff is getting to the point where they're letting go of things that they spent a lot of money on. So can we talk about how you help people deal with that or if you do or if you have any advice as as people yeah. are dealing with those things? Yeah, it's tough because I feel like there's a mix of potential regret for spending the money in the first place like oh I didn't even use that like that was a waste and you kind of start to feel guilty or ashamed that like why did I buy that there's a lot of emotions that come with it so you're like I can't give it up because I spent a thousand or two whatever whatever it is on something that maybe got no use (laughs) so I think kind of reminding yourself that it's a sunk cost I know that is not what people want to hear sometimes Um, I mean, I'm hoping it's a sunk cost and there's no payments on it because that's a whole other story when you add in like the afterpay and all those fun things when people buy stuff. I have a lot of thoughts on those. But I think reminding it's a sunk cost and there's literally nothing you can do about it. Like you can hold on to it, but if it's not serving, if it's just taking up space, not serving a purpose and not getting used, you can also look into potentially selling it or at least donating it so you feel better that it's going to use a lot of things especially with the boys, like we got so much stuff for having kids, right? And we didn't use like any of it. Like I would, a lot of it. And I could have tried to resell it and all that. I just donated it to DSS for foster kids just to kind of like, it was sitting in our house. Yes, it was new. Yes, a lot of it has never been used. But I'm like, what is it serving me just sitting here? I think giving yourself permission to give away gifts is really hard. I am notorious for that. I don't care if it was a gift. I will get rid of it. And my mom hates that because she'll be like, I gave that to you. And I'm like, well, I told you not to. (laughs) I think that's hard for people. If someone like, oh, I got this for my birthday from a friend. I can't get rid of it. And it's like, well, it's sitting there doing nothing. You can re-gift it. You can sell it. You can donate it. But I think giving yourself permission to just kind of move on, learn from it. If it is something expensive, maybe you make note, hey, never use this. So let's not do that again. You kind of take it as a learning experience, even if it was an expensive learning experience and just kind of got to let it go. Yeah, I like that. Well, first off with the learning experience, yeah, people pay a lot of money for courses and degrees and all sorts of things that we learn from. So yes, if we look at it in that light as, okay, well, at least I learned something from it, that really can be a big benefit and it can save you a lot of money down the road if you take the lesson to heart, right? And then realize like, oh, wait, before I buy that thing, whatever, make sure I'm actually going to use it because it was really expensive. And anyway, so I do think that, yes, learning I know is it's so much easier said than done. And the guilt that can come from that and just like the shame, like just being mad at yourself or angry, shameful, all those things can come up. So just being nice to ourselves is definitely uh, good. And then with gifts, one thing I remember, I had a friend that was struggling with this. She was like, I just, I get all these things and she loves found things, right? Like she loves thrifting and all that kind of stuff. And her friends know that about her. So when they're out and about and they travel a lot. And so when they're out and about and they find these things that are like just perfect for her, they will buy them. And But her home is tiny. And so now she's got all this stuff kind of getting to be a lot. And my advice to her was like, well, she felt really guilty because she's like, well, people thought of me and bought and got me these things and they really put in time and effort for it. And I said, well, but maybe you can just keep one 
thing from that friend, right? That really reminds you of that person and the friendship and like your favorite thing from them or the thing that reminds you the most of them. And then that way you're not getting rid of all of it. You're not throwing away the friendship. You're not like, this isn't a diss on them. This is like, this is your home and your space and you deserve to have it feel how you want it to feel. And I think she liked that idea of being like, okay, well, if I'm honoring that friendship with one thing, it felt a little more doable for her. So if people are struggling with that, I always like to give them that little piece of advice. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's such a good tip. All right. So we've talked about buyer's remorse. We've talked about guilt-free spending. How about income inequality or financial inequality? Your story, I think, is a little different. So tell us about that and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So I feel like I get people that reach out that are either like me in the situation or my husband, either like you're bringing debt or something into the marriage or you're me where you're not, you're accumulating debt. I mean, a lot of times, obviously, there's couples who come in with maybe equal or somewhat equal amounts of debt, which obviously makes it a little bit easier, I think, just like emotionally too, because you're like, hey, we're both coming in with debt. Like, we're going to do this together. Obviously, when it's one person versus the other, there is a lot sometimes. I mean, both people have a lot of emotions about it. I know, like on my husband's side, if you're that person in the relationship, you feel guilty or embarrassed or like, I did, I caused this. And a lot of it, I mean, most of it is debt with student loans, which is like a topic by itself. And you don't know what you're signing. Most people don't know what they're signing at 17, 18 years old. And the thought that like there's interest and interest accumulates, sometimes it accumulates even while you're in college and then you have to pay it. And if you don't, there's so many factors. And I always, I totally, truly believe that debt does not define a person. My husband and I talked about like our money, like date three, because I'm crazy. And I didn't necessarily, we didn't get into necessarily exact, like how much money do you make or this, but I wanted to talk about like, could we get on the same page? Could I see us somewhat coming together? Because that to me was way more important than the amount of debt because I knew I could pay off debt, like mathematically and all that. I was not concerned about paying off debt. But if he was like, I want to, I don't care about it. I'm going to be in debt forever and just pay minimums and I'm never going to save. And I like to spend 5K on this a month. Then that is a lot harder for me. Like, can we combine and like, come together. So I think income inequality or debt inequality savings, there's usually some kind of financial inequality in a relationship. Maybe you make more than your partner or your partner makes more than you and you feel bad. Or maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, which is a full-time job in my opinion, but maybe you're not making income because you're raising your kids and maybe you feel guilty spending because it's quote-unquote not your income, but really it is because full-time kids is a lot or maybe you had a lot saved and your partner had nothing saved and you're like well this is my saving and then it kind of is the mental game of that so I think being really open it's obviously easier said than done with your partner as early in a relationship as you can so if you're not married definitely talk about it before if you are you're already married it's not lost you can still get on the same page it's not a lost cause but being open about how you're feeling too like I feel embarrassed to have debt and not tell your partner how you feel so that they can help you through it and also never hold anything over each other. I never once said like, this is your debt, you pay it, or I'm not doing this, or you got us into this situation. If you're all in on your person, your partner, then 
you need to you have to leave any of that in the past you can't like one-up each other all the time or else that's gonna be a big issue and there's times like we talked about earlier with seasons there's might be seasons where you make more than your partner there might be seasons where your partner makes more than you there might be times where you know your financial situation changes over the course of 40 50 years (laughs) whatever it is so I think knowing and going into this as no matter what we're a team just makes managing your finances like a lot not saying it's going to be easy but easier yeah we're definitely we've definitely done the yo back and forth right in different points of our careers and uh just life seasons and circumstances and we've traveled a ton and I do appreciate that about my husband, like being partners in that where like we've both been like, okay, we've kind of traded off going after our dreams, which has been really nice to be able to do that. So yeah, that's been, that's been really fun. But yes, it is a conversation, right? You got to definitely have those conversations and be open and honest. And I love how you said it wasn't the debt itself. It's the mindset around it, right? It's the approach. It's your thoughts on money. Like <laughs> I can imagine having that conversation on date three and being like, so <laughs> let's get into it. <laughs> that was because at that point, gosh, I was 23 when we met. No, I, I don't even know. I don't even know where I am or what year it is. But I remember like I was close to paying off being debt free or like mm-hmm. I was like two years away from me. So it was important to me to have someone I didn't like I said, didn't care that he right. had debt. But if he was like, I'm just going to max out credit cards for the rest of my life and I don't care, like that's a major red flag for me yeah. because that's really tough to then like come together. I remember he thought he had around $100,000 was what he told me. And I was like, cool. Sound. It's annoying, but like sounds good. And then when we were engaged, and like sat down to really dive into the numbers because we were going to start budgeting together. We like totaled it up and it was 154. And we both were shocked. It wasn't even like he lied. He just never actually checked every single. Yeah. And a lot of people are like that. They just, yeah, it's like kind of either a mix of fear of the unknown and then also like whatever I can't, I'll never pay it off. So like why even really get the current total? He didn't even know that student loans, like depending on how they're set up, the interest balance goes up and he was like because he was on an income-based repayment plan at the time we met and he was like those are more than when it was before and I was like yeah that's what happened yeah like I've been repaying and they've gone up like what happened right that makes perfect sense yeah yeah so yeah it's definitely a conversation and like I said even if you're already married and married for 10 20 whatever years it's not too late to just have that conversation it will make I think your marriage and everything just a lot better to talk about it openly. (laughs) All right. Well, let's talk about that conversation. How do you bridge the gap? How do you start? So it's funny. So I, if you couldn't tell, I am very like analytical type A and my husband is not. And so I think under going into it, understanding how you talk about or think about money might not be how your partner talks about or thinks about money. So for me, I love spreadsheets, if you couldn't tell. And I like my dream is just to like look at spreadsheets all day. And like I've literally reviewed like thousands of budgets and I truly love it. Like spreadsheets forever. My husband is not like that. He like doesn't like to sit at a desk. He needs to like do we're just different. So I remember coming to him with a legit binder, like a binder of stuff and tried to sit down at the kitchen table. And he was like, no, nope. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> this isn't fun for you. And he was like, no. So. 
That was our first and only a formal budget meeting, and that was in 2018. And I think understanding budget meetings do work for some people. Some people want the weekly check-in. They both enjoy it. It's how their brands work. They both need to see it. For us, we just keep it conversational. So when we were paying off debt, it'd be like in the kitchen cooking dinner. Hey, we paid off this amount this week or driving in the car. Like, is there anything next month that you want to spend money on or asking the questions kind of like we talked about earlier? What do you value or what is one budget line that you would never want to cut or what is the most important thing for you in the budget or what is one thing that you think we need to work on? What's one money goal that you have for the next three years? Because like my husband and I, too, we don't have necessarily all the same goals. Yes, we have like family goals, but even how we would like to spend our free time, like he wants to go fishing and camping and I would rather go on the beach in the nice all-inclusive resort. Like we're very different when it comes to even our wants so understanding that and including both in your plan so every year he his fishing license and camping stuff's in our budget but then we also have a beach vacation and so kind of just understanding that it's not all about you it's about you guys as a team yes you should have like couple goals but then still keeping your individual goals is really important so I don't think you need to talk about all of this in one day. I mean, you don't want to like overwhelm each other, but just picking one, even picking one question a week. I actually have like a a freebie. It's called getting on the same page and it's a workbook and has questions. It's on my website. But even just picking one question and doing one a week while you're in the car or eating dinner, just like just basic things to just start the flow. And then there's going to be side conversations, obviously, that just naturally occur from there. But what is your biggest fear around money? If one lottery, what would you like to spend it on? Just even fun questions. Or if you do have debt, like which debt of ours is keeping you up at night? Is it your credit card that's stressing you out? Is it your car loan? Is it student loans? Because maybe you both disagree on what's most important. So you need to, when you create your debt payoff plan, kind of consider each of your biggest stressors. What do you want to save for? What Just things like that is just keeping it conversational and not as like, sit down and look at this with me and I have couples where say I work with the woman and she does the spreadsheet I'm like you do it and then show him like if he if he doesn't want to sit there and do the spreadsheet then you take the front of it you do the work and then involve him so he's not sitting there with you entering numbers because like my husband also would not want to sit there while I was entering numbers so just understanding your partner and yourself and how you absorb information and yeah take it from there Nice. All right. So obviously budgeting is very important. What would you consider like a super simple budget, like where someone could start? And then how does that kind of help them reach their goals, maintain a clutter-free life and that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I think, so I always recommend budgeting per paycheck versus a monthly budget because a monthly budget and we've all been here, right? You like create it at the beginning of the month to just like check off budgeting off your list. And then you don't check it again till the end of the month. And then you're like, oh my gosh, like what went wrong? You're like, why am I over? And then you're just like, I can't budget. And you give up. So budgeting per paycheck truly allows you to see what expenses are coming out of which paycheck. And for most people, the first half of the month is like tighter than the second half of the month. Usually that's when like your mortgage or rent, like your bigger expenses come out before the 15th for 90% of people. And then the second half, you're like, oh, I have money. And then you start spending and then it gets to the first half of the month. And it's just this kind of like cycle that you're stuck in. So by budgeting per paycheck, you can 
see what's coming out of each paycheck. And you can also change due dates. People think that like whatever your due date is for your credit card or bills, like you're stuck with and like you can just contact them and change it to a different date. Usually takes like a billing cycle, but it kind of helps you like split it up. Um, So definitely budgeting per paycheck and just making sure your numbers are your actual numbers. Like we talked about earlier, a money audit, going through your expenses. Like don't use what your friend is doing or what social media tells you you need to use. Like if you're spending $300 a week on groceries, like don't put 100 in your budget because you're never going to stick to the budget and then you're going to be stressed and always over budget. So keeping it realistic and then keeping it simple with categories. I think some people get like super micro with categories, which works for some people. But I think when you get super micro, it gets overwhelming when you see like 40 budget categories and you're like, this is so much. So trying to keep it a little bit general until you get a better feel of what's going on. If you want to like lump subscriptions together, just call it subscriptions or something. Or for us, we just put a food category. I don't split out groceries and takeout personally, because at the end of the day, as long as I'm under X dollars for food for the week. I don't care if it came from the grocery store or Chick-fil-A as long as I'm under that amount. So I think just kind of keeping it somewhat simple. And then like we talked about earlier, your money goals, it's making sure your budget reflects extra debt payments or savings transfers. So my templates like that I use and like are so simple. I don't do the thousand tabs and charts. I mean, charts are great, but at the end of the day, I want to just be able to open it see the number, move on with my life. So it takes time to figure out. And then just set aside time every week. Every For me, it's Friday mornings. I check in every Friday morning, just kind of add it as a normal habit, like part of your weekly routine, like you would anything else. Just schedule it in. Use a Google Calendar invite if you have to until it's part of your routine. But you have to kind of force yourself to do it until it becomes kind of more natural. Yep. Uh, one of those many lovely realizations of adulthood. You actually have to schedule and do the things you say you want to do. Yeah, exactly. I wish it weren't so. I wish it weren't so, but it is. So awesome. Well, Allie, I really appreciate this. This has been a really fun conversation. Where can people find you? And mention that freebie again, because I know they're going to want to pick that up. Yeah. So my website is financially focused dot com. And I have, like I said, I started as a blog. So I have a ton of blog posts. I have like 12 different freebies, but there's one called getting on the same page. And it's a workbook. It has some questions and prompts and some worksheets for you to just kind of start. I also have a free foundations course, which is just like financial foundations for you to take plus other stuff. So my website has everything. I'm on Instagram way too much. That's what my phone tells me when you get those like alerts. Like I spent 15 hours on my phone. You're like, oh gosh, this is terrible. Um, So if you need anything or if you have questions or if you're like, this is my problem, what freebie should I get? Like feel free to DM me. It's financially focused. I, like I said, I'm on Instagram's the best way to contact me just because I'm on my phone too much. Um, But my website has everything. Ways to work with me, freebies, blog posts, all the things are there. Perfect. And we will make sure we link to it in the show notes because like you said, it is spelled just slightly differently because it's a pun on your name and I love it. It is an awesome name. So everyone, make sure you check out Allie's website with all of her cool information. But my favorite way to end every episode is with three rapid fire questions. So here we go. Number one, what does clutter-free mean to you? I think for me, it means 
having things organized so I can make more time, like spending more time on things I love, kind of going back to this episode, is like mental clutter-free, just space so that I can spend more energy and time on the things that I truly love. Mm, Love it. And number two, what is one thing you want to make sure that listeners take away from today's show? I think that money can be conversational and not as overwhelming as I think what people might think or budgeting. People hear the word budget and they're like, oh my gosh, like I can't do that. You need to have eight degrees and like I can't do that. And it really is simple and you can make it simple. You just have to back to putting in the time and effort and getting it set up. But once it's set up, it takes you like 10 minutes a week. Ooh, I like that part. 10 minutes a week. Yeah. And don't be afraid of a little math. It's okay. All the spreadsheets can do the work for you. It's okay. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Number three, what is making you happy right now or this season of life? Right now is college football. Right now is literally it's football season. So that's exactly where I'm at every Saturday. And just my boys are now at the age where they can like somewhat function and play together. So that's fun because I can like drink coffee for a few minutes. So I think this season of life is much easier than like the two under two season, which I just got out of. So seeing them become real humans has been fun too. (laughs) I love it. I love looking back at those videos of when our daughter was that age. And it's so interesting to me how much I notice. So just look back at them as they're older and you'll be like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, yeah, it's fun. And I don't have a favorite season with the kids, like really? with our daughter. Okay. Like I just, every season, like I kept thinking like, oh, this is going to be my favorite. Oh, this is going to be my favorite. Oh no, this one's going to be my favorite. And it's like every single one had its awesome parts. And of course, every single one has yeah. its negatives too. But like, I don't know. I just loved the whole process of watching her grow up and she's still growing. She's only 10. Yeah. But like just the whole process and like going back and looking at the videos and just remembering like just it's so cool. And they really are just their own people like as they grow. And it is just so fun. And I feel so honored to have gotten to like be her mom and like steward her into the world. So yeah. Awesome. Oh, yes. I love it. Yeah. This was fun. I'm so glad that I was able to. Thanks for having me on. All right. Well, I really enjoyed today's conversation and loved getting Allie's take on how we can set up our spending to line up with our values so that we can spend guilt-free on the things that mean the most to us and save money on those things that just don't. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. What were your favorite parts? Did you have any big takeaways? There are so many ways that you can share your thoughts. You can comment on this post on Instagram or send me a DM. I'm at wannabeclutterfree on the social channels. You can leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts. You can leave a comment for this episode on Spotify or on my website. You can come over to Wannabe Minimalist Family group on Facebook and share in that community. There will be a discussion thread for this episode, and we would love to chat with you in the comments. But remember, if you know someone who could benefit from today's conversation, My new favorite way for you to get in on this is would be to share this episode with them. And thanks again to Allie for joining us on the show today and sharing about her journey and giving us some advice from her life, right? She's been there. So it was really interesting to hear how she has dealt with money in her personal life and then also with her husband. And so that's been really interesting. So thank you so much, Allie, for all of that advice. 
Remember, you can get more detailed show notes by heading over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 174. Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 174 to find out more about Allie and the resources discussed on today's show. And as always, thank you so much for joining me today. With that, I hope you have an amazing day and I'll see you back here next week for a solo episode. It's part two of our digital decluttering series. And I heard back from a lot of you that you would like help with your photos. So that is what I will be discussing. If you want to know how I deal with the abundance of digital clutter in my life, especially with the countless photos next week, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss it. Until next time, take care, think clutter-free, and remember, I believe in you. I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to Wanna Be Clutter-Free. I'll see you next week. Cheers. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.